bring you greetings as we've been back here again. It's good to be with you all. Someone in your congregation made a request when they found out that I was going to be here today. And uh, they said, well, they haven't heard a message from the book of Job for a long time. So I prayed about it and gave it consideration. So I have a message here based on the book of Job. And the title of the message is called Under His Hand. And truly Job was under God's hand and we are under his hand today. It uh, seems like God's people are facing pressures and trials, uncertainties and tragedies like never before. You know, some are short-term, some are long-term, go on for many years. And there's two verses I'd like for us to keep in focus during the message today. The first one is from Job 23:10, but he knoweth the way that I take, and when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And I think that's something we should keep in mind in our day, no matter what you face or what you go through, he knows where you're at, what you're going through, and it says when he has tried me. Remember, God is using circumstances sometimes to try us. And let's hold on to the promise that I shall come forth as gold. Now, another verse I'd like to keep in mind is 1 Peter 5, 6. And you know, sometimes these are chastening experiences that we go through. It says, humble yourself Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. You know, pride is probably at the top of the list of our sins that we have to confront. And I think somebody mentioned recently that everybody, yeah, everybody deals with pride. Yes, sometime in your experience. And so if Peter says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And, and, you know, this coming forth as gold is from Job and, and exalting you in due time. I think there's some similarities there as we submit ourselves to God. And I'd like to look at the life of Job and, some, and his responses to suffering in this message. You know, Job suffered a number of tragedies, one right after the other, and... Um, his response to devastation, the first thing was worship. He recognized that God is the giver of blessings, and he respected God's sovereignty, that realizing that God had the privilege of taking away the blessings. And here's something we need to remember, that he had no obligation to give them in the first place. You can think of all the blessings and all the possessions and everything you have, but did you know God wasn't obligated to give that to you? And we need to use those in that context. And so Job concludes, uh, Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so in the message today, first thing I want to look at is how Job grapples with tragedy and then how, <clears throat> and then look at his character before these tragedies, 
And then look at four responses of Job to these tragedies. And the first response was, as I already mentioned, that he worshiped. The second was that he says, the Lord gave. The third, he takes away. And fourth, blessed be the name of the Lord. And that's where we should all end up. Turn to Job 23, first of all, and looking at Job grappling with his tragedies. Job chapter 23. I want to read verses 1 to 12. Now remember, from chapter 1, we have the tragedies, and we have all that interchange in chapter 1 and 2. And then you remember that his three friends came to visit him and all that. And just prior to Job, and you can kind of remember all those accusations up to chapter 23. And just prior to chapter 23 and 22, Eliphaz was going over some things. And anyway, the conclusion of these three friends seemed that Job's wickedness was great. His iniquities were endless. Can you imagine that? They were accusing him of his wickedness was great, his iniquities were endless, and he was suffering with these painful boils. He lost all of his possessions. And now we come into chapter uh, 23, and, and, and this is Job, uh, maybe like we find ourselves sometimes raising some questions. He says, even today, in verse 2, is my complaint bitter? My stroke is heavier than my groaning. And now he's referring to God. He said, oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come to his seat. In other words, Job is, is saying, oh, I just wish I could find God. I wish I could sit down with him and explain to him the way things really are. In verse 4, he says, I would order my cause before him and my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say unto him. And I don't think we can blame Job too much for this, maybe this attitude, this desire, this feeling of everything that he's, he's went through. And Job's had a tremendous faith and verse 6 says, when, when, uh, when he would be before God, would he plead against me with his great power? And notice what Job says in answer to that question. He said, no, he would put strength in me. Even though all this was against him, he still had that confidence that God would strengthen him. He says, there is a righteous there, the righteous might dispute with him, so would I be delivered forever from my judge. Behold, I go forward, but he's not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, 
which he doeth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, and I cannot see him. You know, even Job had this tremendous faith in God. He still had these things rolling over in his mind like you and I do sometimes when we get into difficult situations. Oh, I just wish God was here. But I want you to notice that I think the next three verses are key to Job's victory throughout the entire book of Job and everything he experienced. Notice what Job said. Uh, one of my text verses is, he said, But he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Job knew that, regardless of all the questions Job has risen in this book, and all the questions that he asks. He says, when it comes down to the matter, at the end of the day, he knoweth the way that I take. And Job says in verse 11, says that my foot has not, my foot hath held his steps, his way have I kept and not declined. You know, Job faced tremendous discouragement. His wife even said, curse God and die. But Job said, no, he didn't do that. He, he kept God's commandment. And verse 12, I think is kind of the cap chief of the whole thing. He says, neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I've esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Can we identify with Job with that? You know, if we hold God's word and his commandments on a higher level than our natural food that we need to live. And I'm just, I want us to be challenged with Job's commitment as he grapples with tragedy. Now, let's go back to chapter 1 of Job and look at his character before the tragedy happens. Let's just read the first five verses of Job 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and the man was perfect, upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses, and a very great household. And this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And, the sons, and his sons went and feasted in their houses. Everyone his day sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so in the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. It's a tremendous testimony that God had of Job. It said he was perfect and blameless and upright, and he shunned evil. And I think if we think about that, in Job's time when he lived, how did he come to such a position and trust in God? Especially when he was the greatest man of the East, 
Did you know? Did you know five hundred oxen in that day could could plow five hundred acres? I think that's what I'm told. Wouldn't that be pretty significant? Five to have enough of uh, ox power to plow five hundred acres in a day. What would that be today? Would that be five thousand acres? If we had a farmer that was the greatest, would that, you know, I, I don't know. But I think, and to, and all the sheep and everything he had in a great household of servants, he was wealthy. And you read in the book of Job that he, had, he was top in society. The people, when he walked down the street, it says that they put their hand to their mouth. And the roof of their, uh, their tongue, his, the tongue cleft to the roof of their mouth because they didn't have anything to say. When Job was there, they had respect and adoration. You know, sometimes we're ashamed of our faith in God. But Job wasn't. It, even though he was the greatest man in the East, just think about what it says about him in verse 1. And notice the, uh, the uh, spiritual care he had for his children it says the sons were in their houses feasting it doesn't say the sons were teenagers at home but yet job felt he had responsibility to intercede to god for them and he didn't know they sinned. he just said perhaps you know they did do we have that same concern it's a challenge to us as fathers for the spiritual welfare of those in our generation. And even though he was the greatest man in the East, notice that Job personally went and offered sacrifices for the children that he said may have sinned. You know, he had a great household of servants. He could have sent his servants down to offer those sacrifices, I would thought. But he personally was involved himself. Did he do this one time a year? No. It says he did this continually. That, that just really should impress us. That the greatest man of the East continually took his responsibility in the welfare of his children. The spiritual welfare of his children. So, after the tragedy, let's notice Job's response. It says he worshiped God. You know, is that our response in time of trouble? Or do we try to research the cause? Where did, or who, or what did the trouble come from? Turn to... Uh, uh, I want to look at a few other scriptures here in the message. Turn to Psalm 95. Psalm 95, <clears throat> verses 6 to 7. Thinking about this aspect <clears throat> that Job worshiped God. 
In verse 6 of Psalm 95, it says, O come, let us worship and bow down and let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. And you know, that's a fitting thing to do every day. Not when we're in trouble and we're beseeching God, but we should bow down and worship before Him. And says, verse 7, He is our God and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. In other words, that gives you the context that under His hand, as the title of the message is, that we are the sheep of His pasture. And did you know that dealing... Kneeling before God is the greatest time to hear His voice, and that's what it says in verse 7. Today, if you hear His voice, harden not your heart. And when we're kneeling before God, maybe He will give us answers to why this tragedy came upon us and what He is trying to accomplish. Genesis 18.25 says, raises the question, Shall not the judge... Of all the earth do right. And I believe that's one reason why Job knelt and worshiped before God after all these tragedies. Because he knew that the judge of all the earth would do right. Turn to Second Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. says, Blessed be the God and even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth in all of our tribulations that we may comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherein we ourselves are comforted of God. And you know, sometimes that might be the reason that we enter suffering or part of the reason that we will be able to comfort others. He's the Father of mercies. When we're going through a trial or chastisement, remember that He's also the Father of mercy. He's the God of all comfort. And that's why we kneel down before and worship so we can hear His voice. And, you know, we might be afraid of His voice that He's chiding us, but it could be a voice of comfort. And we need to kneel down and worship before him. Okay, let's go on to the second response of Job. It says that he, <clears throat> he says that the Lord gave. And you know, we could think a long time about everything that the Lord has gave us, that the Lord is giving us. Uh, John 3.16 says, did you know John 3.16 Talks about heaven and hell. And he gave his son in that context. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoso believeth in him should not perish, and that's hell, but have everlasting life, and that's heaven. That's neat. That that's all in the same verse. One of the things that God gave us. And we could go back to Genesis and see where God gave life 
to mankind, gave uh, a living soul. And God gave us all things that we need to sustain life. And Job was recognizing that. Turn to Lamentations uh, 3. 22 and 23. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. <clears throat> Remember that God gives us protection. You know, when a tragedy happens in a person's life, and we may be focusing on that particular tragedy, but God is still giving us protection in other areas that we may not be aware of. 3.23 says in Lamentations that Maybe I should back up to 22. It's of God's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. And they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. My wife and I recently were in Louisiana for a couple weeks helping with CA and chaplain work at CAM. And on our way down there, uh, well, let me back up a bit when we was down there another crew leader made the comment that he always feels apprehension when he goes on a project like this and and I agreed with him because you don't know what you're going to get into you don't know what you're going to face you know don't know what circumstances you're going to encounter and I told him it's from the devil these apprehensions and he agreed with me. And it was just interesting to see how God, God's hand of protection and care and leading was with us in big ways and in small ways. And one of the ways was when we was on the way down there, we stopped in Kentucky for a motel. And so it was dark and we was on this street driving up and down the street. I was trying to, there was a a number of motels and they told us all of them were full in town and I was trying to find the entrance to this one motel and so I pulled into another one and just about that time there was blue lights behind me so he comes up to me and he says it looks like you're lost I said well we're hunting the entrance to this motel I said can you tell me where it is he said no he said, I'm not from around here. But I took that as God's mercy, God's protection, his care. And the officer said, I just want to make sure you're taken care of. You know, that, that was wonderful. It wasn't much, but that's the kind of blue lights I like. But, it, uh, you know, uh, protection. You know, God didn't have to allow that to happen. And, you know, maybe you could say, well, that, that was a guardian angel because he said he wasn't from here. And I should have asked him where he was from. But anyway, it was a blessing that we experienced many times over. 
And it says in Lamentations, it's because God's mercies that we are here. And they're new every morning. And Psalm 68 says, He daily loadeth us with benefits. And that is happening at the same time that we're going through tragedies, shortcomings and failures and whatever you experience or chastening God daily loadeth us with benefits. And it's more than we can use. And let's, let's be encouraged to, to keep that in focus. Then uh, Job's third response, the Lord has taken away. You know, you might think, well, why, why does God take away? Turn to Second Chronicles 33. Second Chronicles 33, <clears throat> verse 12. <clears throat> this was about King Manasseh of Judah. And God brought some things into his life. It says, when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God, and he humbled himself greatly before the God of our fathers. And you know, this can come on us so subtly. We think we're sincere in following the Lord. We think we're uh, devoted. We think we're right up to specs, so to speak. But we may be gradually slipping in some areas. And the Lord may bring affliction into our path. And he says, when this king was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God. And he humbled himself, as our verse says from Peter. And that can be maybe one reason. Now, we were thinking about chastisement. I'll turn to Hebrews 12. And I believe that was read here this morning, or, or in class. Hebrews 12. Let's look at verses 5 to 11. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as children, my son. Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. And I think the maybe the more proper rendering from that is to lose heart. Don't lose heart when the Lord is chastening you. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if thou be without chastisement, wherefore are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had our fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we have gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceful fruit of righteousness, under them which are exercised thereby. <clears throat> you 
You know, when you can look in your own life, and when you was a child, you didn't look forward to that. You know, one, one time I knew there was a really a delicious cake in the freezer, and so I helped myself to that cake, and I got caught later, but I denied getting it. Well, I was punished, and I remember that, and that was not joyous. And the same way, he's using that as an illustration that when our Heavenly Father chastens us, it shows He loves us. And it's for our good and for His honor and glory if we respond properly. And as you read the book of Job, why don't you just sometime read the book of Job? It's a blessing just to read the whole book of Job in one context or listen to it on, on CD or whatever. But just listen to the whole book of Job. And that, that interchange is so wonderful. And talking about the verse that God will exalt you in due time, Job had double the wealth and possessions that he had earlier, and he was faithful. And it's for our profit that we're chastened. The, third, the fourth response from Job, he said, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Turn to Psalm 103. Blessed be the name of the Lord. <clears throat> This should be our response as we come out of tragedies, that we can praise the Lord. It says, and bless his holy name. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You know, that, that keeps coming up. It doesn't matter what you face in life. There are benefits that God is continually giving us every day. It says, and he... <clears throat> Forget not all of his benefits. You know, last year we was in Louisiana with Cam also, and we visited this one lady, and I'm, th I'm thinking of this verse talking about forget not all of his benefits. And while this lady was suffering the ravages of the hurricane, she recognized that there was a benefit going on at the same time. She said she was in her house, and she said the hurricane was... was the roof was leaking. She said the water, she looked out, the water came up to the, in the road, came up to the top of her yard, and the water was coming across the yard to the front door, and she knew that if the, if the water came in the front door, it was gonna be a lot worse than the roof leaking, because it would flood her entire house. And she said she cried out to God, God, stop the water coming across the yard. And she said, right then, it stopped. The wind changed, and the water went back to the road. See, she was experiencing protection in the midst of adversity. It, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. It says, thinking about what God gave us, I want to look at these verses 1 to 14, verse 
It says, verse 3, Who forgiveth all of our iniquities and healeth all of our diseases. We should be blessed that God heals us from our iniquities. And, and I'm sorry, He forgives our sins. And it seems like maybe the better, another rendering would be, this is a testimony and not a promise about the diseases. He redeems our life from destruction, crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, satisfies the mouth with good things, so that the youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made his ways known to Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. Just, just notice that in that verse you got mercy before and you got mercy afterwards. And, and he's slow to anger. It says, He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. And I'm so glad for verse 10, it says, He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. You know, if he would do that, we wouldn't be here. We're thinking about Job's last response. Blessed be the name of the Lord. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. And has anybody ever figured out how high the heaven is above the earth? I've never seen it yet. There's no dimensions there. And take that. And I like verse uh, 13 and 14 because it says, Like as a father pitieth his children... A father, you know, has pity toward the children. Maybe if they misbehave or, or do a variety of things, he remembers that they're children. He remembers that maybe they lack a good bit of maturity. And God, as he deals with us, he remembers and he pitieth them in relation to our fear to him. So if we have a godly reverence and a fear toward him, and we are his children, then he has that same relationship. And also, what is even greater is he that knows our frames. You know, he remembers that we are dust. He remembers that we are, we are so far below him as the heaven is high above the earth. And that's the way he deals with us. He, he's not overlooking sin, but he's dealing with us from that premise that we're so much lower than he is. And he remembers that. And, you know, he, he knows that we were made of dust and we are frail and we're so on a completely different level that... that uh, when we think of trials, adversity, he knows the right time to stop the purifying process to bring us our goal to perfection, and he will exalt us in due time. <clears throat>